Hi, I'm Tony Fair, founder of Victorian Grooming Company. Is your beard feeling dry or the skin underneath itchy? Maybe you'd rather soften and tame your beard instead. Our classic collection of beard oils, balms, and soaps will leave your beard looking, feeling, and smelling amazing. And if you prefer shaving, our pre-shave oils and shave soaps will give you a smooth and razor burn free shave. Handmade in Edmonton with natural ingredients, visit victoriangrooming.com. Craig here, welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to Yank Barry, absolute honor and privilege to talk to him. Now, Yank is a philanthropist, Canadian businessman and musician. In his earlier career, he was a musician, songwriter and music producer. He was the lead singer of the rock band The Kingsman, who had their famous hit Louie Louie. And he's the founder and CEO of VitaPro Foods and Global Village Champion Foundation. Now, the foundation has supplied meals for over 1 billion people. Now, Yank has won many humanitarian awards, but the biggest award that he received was the Nobel Peace Prize. Evander Holofield, Muhammad Ali, and Manny Pacquiao are the Global Village Champion Goodwill Ambassadors. Now, Yank has worked with some of the biggest stars in the world today. Now, Yank was Muhammad Ali's best friend, and he has some amazing stories to talk about. And on the podcast, he'll also talk about Alice Cooper being able to jam with Jimi Hendrix, ACDC lead vocalist Brian Johnson, Celine Dion, Jerry Seinfeld, Greg Norman, Tom Jones. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Craig Your Story at podbean.com. We have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services. We also have a YouTube account. Make sure you're subscribing to get all the latest updates. We also have VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners at Tell Craig Your Story. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Yank Barry on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hi, Yank. How are you doing? I'm doing tonight? pretty good. How are you? Yeah, good to meet you. It's an absolute honor to, uh, to be talking to you tonight. So just give us a quick what you're doing here in Shanghai at the moment. Just doing some um, business. I own a company called Propectin. Little, little bit of a stray from the music business. Got involved with it around um, 12 years ago. Right. It's a detox. Right. Very famous detox. It's the only thing that works post-COVID to rejuvenate lungs. 
Right. So it's really on fire now. It's uh, every country wants it. I'm here to make a deal uh, for China. We're already selling here. I found out today. <laughs> we sell like, like something like a million dollars here. Not even trying. Yeah. Right. Wow. So uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, did you come here a lot, or is this the first time you? No, I, I was here uh, ten years ago, and uh, no, I haven't been here since. Been to Hong Kong. Been, been in the area, but. Haven't met the China. Yeah, I noticed that you've very you've been there quite a lot of uh, times to the Philippines. Yes, you've you worked with Renee on the journey together. Yeah, journey. Kenny, Kenny G. Yeah, Kenny G. Right. And Man, Manny's a very good friend of mine. Right. You know now that was Senator Emmanuel. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes. <laughs> hey, he's gonna take another shot running for president. He might he might make it. Yeah, right. He might make it. Any good stories on Manny Pacquiao? I'm sure you've got plenty of stories to talk about. Not really. No? No. Manny, he's a home buddy. He's, you know, he stays home with the family and yeah. doesn't fool around. You know, he's a, he's a unique boxer and uh, lo- loves his country. Loves what he's doing, you know, as an alderman and a senator. And Manny, Manny's unique. You know, I, I, I don't think he's in a, I don't think he'll, he'll fight again. You know, they keep saying he's going to come back. He, he's one of our... One of our Global Village champions went around the world with me and Ali and Evander, and uh, we did a Ricky Hatton. <laughs> we did a lot of good. We fed, uh, we fed over one billion people in twenty years. I can't believe that. And that, and never took a dime. And that's certified too. Certified. Yeah. yeah. Is that like in the Guinness Book of Records? I think like, it's in the Guinness Book of Records. I think it has to be. Yeah. The Red Cross had, had issued an official statement when they certified it. I think the last meals were in, I think, Indonesia. Right. I wasn't there for those. But Ali and I were in Haiti just before that. Yeah. We were in 900 and something million, you know, so. Wow. Pretty cool. Absolutely amazing. And let's talk about that. How did that all come about? I got into the food business. We were producing a textured vegetable protein that was dehydrated, that tasted like meat and chicken, but wasn't, called VitaPro. Yeah. Our profits were, I don't know, we could, I could have got arrested for our margins. <laughs> and we were making a huge amount of money. And I asked, I asked Muhammad, I said, hey, why don't we go out and, and feed kids? And he said, okay. I said, because I have a Canadian, Canadian artist who you haven't heard of, Muhammad, but she's going to be the biggest star in the world. He says, what's her name? I said, Celine Dion. Wow. And then Celine, Celine wants to go out and work with us. He said, okay. I said, plus uh, your old buddy, Evander. Anyways, before I knew it, Steven Seagal, they started coming out of the woodwork who wanted to go and help because they realized that nobody was making money off this. Yeah. In fact, it was coming out of the profits of my company. Right. That's when, that's when the first Nobel nomination came. <sighs> really, really shocking. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, it, it, it felt good. I haven't been doing it for four or five years now. It's Muhammad passed. Yes. And without Ali, you know, people don't realize he was probably the most recognizable person in the world. Yes. And maybe one of the most loved. Without doubt. All Muhammad had to do was just pick up his hand and whatever whatever he was raising his hand to do, that was it. And that's how we got to Benghazi 6 out of, out of Libya. Wow. It was Muhammad. Unbelievable. He did a great job on Gaddafi. Come on. <laughs> there was never me meeting Gaddafi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all Muhammad. Wow. Incredible. We didn't mention that at the start, but you were his best friend. 
Yeah, until... You were best friends. Paul Bearer, too, yeah. How did this all come about? I have heard the story, but I'd like to... It, it's real. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's real simple. If you look at the years, he knocked out Sonny Liston, and I sang Louie Louie. Right. <laughs> we met at a party. Yeah, right. You know, and became friends. And we were friends uh, 40 years. Just like that. Yeah. And just an instant, like... Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was just, we just liked each other right away. Yeah. I was obviously an I it was Ali. Yeah. <laughs> well, I heard that he was also like a big fan of your band as well at the time. Yeah. So he was coming to watch you play as well? He came came to two of our concerts. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which was great. Was he up the front or was he yeah. on the... Oh, yeah, he was up the front dancing. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, it was a good run. It was, it was a great run. So I guess he would have been a little bit starstruck himself, like yeah. meeting you as well. Yeah. So it would have... Yeah, and he always pushed me up front with the heads of state and that. He, he realized that he didn't have the mouth that he had before. He couldn't. He didn't have the rap. Yeah. And he used me. Right. You know, I would tell Ali jokes. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking uh, earlier about Muhammad Ali and uh, you were talking about him actually trying to get his medal back. So do you want to tell the story about that? What happened was Ron Brown, Secretary of Commerce, had got, kill- got killed in a plane crash. Yeah. Muhammad and Andrew Young, former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. and at, and had just been appointed co-chair of the Olympic Games, the 1996 Olympics. Right. A bunch of dignitaries. Uh, flew to Japan to have an honorary ceremony to honor Ron Brown in Japan. Right. On the plane, Andrew, I don't know if you remember those old Motorola phones. It was like... Yeah, the brick. (laughs) This is 1994. He's talking on his suitcase phone to Billy Payne, his co-chair. Right. And I hear him say, Evander sounds like a good bet. (laughs) I guess Muhammad Ali. I was going, wow, God's really working. He's working for us right now. All I did is I pointed to my left and Andrew started to cry. Wow. I said, hey, you want the most magical moment? Because no one had seen Ali now in maybe 20 years. Yeah. You know, he became semi, semi-recluse. And I said, come on, Muhammad lighting the torch? Yeah. This was for the Atlanta? And he said, we'll do it if you make one deal with us. No one knows. And if you remember, if you saw it live, Bob Costas was in it. He went, it's Ali. No one knew. The only, the first person who yeah, knew right. was Janet Evans because Evander brought it into the stadium. He handed it over to Janet Evans. And Janet, as she was coming up the cauldron, you could see her face. She lost all her The lights lit up. Yeah. There was, there was, there was Ali. Wow. The torch. And it was, it was magical. I don't know if you know, he burnt his hand. No. Because when he, when he was lighting it. Oh, yeah, right. Burnt his hand, but never backed off. Wow. Never complained. What a professional. It was amazing. I think, the, I think the coolest thing was, I was standing right next to him. If you look at the pictures, I'm there. And looking down, the last team, the last athletes that came in yeah. was the dream team. Right. And looking down at Jordan, Barkley, <sighs> These major superstars crying, screaming, Ali, Ali. You know, that was a, a cry now. It's a, it's a rush. Yeah, it's I a rush. could imagine. And hey, they, he was their idol. You know, he's the guy that made, he's the reason they were making hundreds of millions. Yeah, absolutely. He, but he was so cool. He's, 
coolest person I ever met. Until today, definitely the coolest person. Yeah. You're also saying about him getting his medal back. Yeah, so <laughs> two weeks before the Olympics, <laughs> Mohammed calls me and he's was it was never very audible on the phone, you know. I wanna see you. I said, Okay. <laughs> I flew I flew I flew to Louisville. Yeah. And he says, uh, I'm not gonna do it. I said, Muhammad, wait a minute. Oh no. I'm not gonna do what? <laughs> this was like months and months of preparation and, and special security, you know, in the US in Atlanta for knowing that Ali's gonna be coming up an elevator to the cauldron, people get to see him. And no one knew who it was, so everyone was looking at who's it gonna be. I said, Ali, what, why, why are you not gonna do this? Uh, he said, uh, I want my medal back. Uh. The true story was they say he threw the medal in the river because they refused to serve him a burger. That isn't the truth. Yeah. Because the medal was stolen. Uh. And, that, and, that, and that's how he lost it. Never reported it to the police. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll go see him. I'll go see him. I guess it's one Samurai. Samurai. <laughs> you know, and, and got, to, got to see Samurai. And he says, yes. And he had like this little attitude, like, like looking at me like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, what else do you want from Muhammad Ali? But by the way, he told me after. Sam Ranch was a nice man. Right. He told me after he was a huge fan. Oh, uh, right. Huge yeah. Fan of How could you know, Viva? Yeah. <laughs> so he wasn't going to give me everything, but it made me look good that, that I got it. And I said, Muhammad would appreciate if the IOC would give him his medal back. It was stolen. He didn't throw it in the river. It was stolen. And he said, do you have any idea how many requests we get? And think about it. Yeah. How many requests we get from athletes who either went broke, were drunk, were, and they, they sold their medal. Right. Or they lost their medal. Yeah. Or they gambled their medal. Said, we just, we really can't do it. I says, well, if you know anything about Ali, he's not going to do this. He'll just walk. And they went, well, that would not be very good. Because <laughs> <laughs> they had all their plans. Right. Yeah, he told me, he said, okay. He says, uh, what would you like him to, sarcastically, would you like him to close the ceremony <laughs> since he's opening it? <laughs> I said, I said I smart fight. Ranch, but <laughs> I said I have an easy solution which takes the heat off the IOC. He said, Okay. I said the dream team are going to be in the finals. Yeah. They're gonna win. So half time and at that time if you remember during the game I think they were up by thirty points. Yeah, right, yeah. I said half time have an announcement. That the that the basket the U.S. basketball team would like to do a presentation, and this way here you put all the heat on the U.S. team and have Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley and and the rest of the guys hand in the medal. And what a great picture! Oh. It was so super. They were kissing him, and it was really great. So we pulled it off. It was <laughs> it wow. Was cool. It was an amazing scene for everybody uh, just to see that, yeah. Let's go back to talk a little bit about where you come from. So for Australian listeners, and just before that, speaking of Australia, we were just talking about Australia earlier. Uh, you said you're uh, friends with Greg Norman. Yeah. My dad's listening. I'm sure he is. He's a huge shark fan, the shark. So how did you get to meet? The shark, the shark by the way, has, has, uh, has created a lot of problems for the PGA. Oh, right, yes. Um, He's really kidnapped a bunch of bunch of great players right. with Saudi money. There, yes. They're throw, I think they paid Mickelson 
150 million. You know, we're talking numbers that these guys, they make a lot of money, but they could never make this kind of. And, and Greg has had, he's had it in for the PGA for many, many years. Within reason, by the way. I don't want to get into that. I know a little bit about the, the skinny on that, but within reason. And he basically told, it was Dean Beeman at the time, who was the, who was the PGA chair, the chair, um, the commissioner of the PGA. He told him, he said, I'm going to get you guys. I'm going to, I'm going to hurt the tour. One day, because yeah. You, and they were doing a lot of things that was just wrong. And like the whole thing, like Augusta, you know, Augusta is like, Premium, yeah. But, but you have no idea what it's like, the politics. It's a different world. Could imagine. It's really a different world. It's a, it's a world of the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Got it. You know, and if you're black or a Jew, like, <laughs> and Greg saw that. And he saw that in a certain part of the PGA Tour. Yeah, standing up for his rights. Uh, yeah. uh, fair enough. You know what? No, no. And Greg's a great guy. Yeah, right. And, hey, by the way, Made a lot of money on the PGA Tour, you yeah. know. Yeah. Said, um, "I'm going to start my own tour." And he went. He said, "Where is all the money? Money's in Saudi Arabia." Yeah. And the Saudis had just started building golf courses, and he convinced them to come up with. I think the number I heard was two and a half billion, and be able to go and how can you romance certain players. I mean, how can you how can you not say no to that? You know, <laughs> we think we're untouchable, and you know, I, sp- I had, a, had had a conversation with Dustin Johnson. I don't know if you know what Dustin Johnson is, great PGA player, right. and uh, former PGA player, and uh, probably made probably made thirty, thirty five, forty million on the PGA tour. He gave him a hundred million dollars. Wow! How do you walk away? You know, and you're playing the great courses. Yeah. playing with guys who you played with before you know it just isn't the pga yeah now the pga is starting to soften by the way greg's winning how convenient right now they've allowed these players to play in the majors right how, how can you deny them playing in the majors you they've won so many tournaments and so he greg's winning yeah that's He's great winning. yeah god bless him good on him him and chrissy and you know they're a great couple that's great and you said before you've been to australia a couple of times yeah yeah, yeah. where have you been to uh, sydney melbourne yeah. Love it? Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Yeah, and, country. Yeah. And you did some uh, surfing or what did you do? Uh, did you do? Uh, as a matter of fact, um, I did some recording um, with a little river band. Wow. There you go. Yeah. I, I, I mixed the session for them. Right. And I flew in, I think it was for Capitol Records. That was fun. Really cool. May as well keep on the topic. Going through the list of all the musicians that you've ever played with or you've produced or there was one that stood out acdc we're just talking about them as well Hendrix. yeah jimmy hendrix alice yeah. cooper but yeah I played a lot with alice yeah but jammed with jimmy hendrix yeah wow yeah that was in, that was that was <sighs> in the early 60s when i was with the kingsman in greenwich village and was he just did he want to come up he 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 was on stage at a place called a club called the cafe wa which was a small little rock and roll cafe. And Jimmy had not had a huge hit yet, but he was known. And he was on stage playing and I came in and he invited me up. And, oh. you know, we, we, we jammed for about half an hour. Yeah. Very cool guy. Yeah, I was just about to say, just he seemed like down to earth. Like Yeah, yeah died, died, died too young. I took his guitar away from him. I seen in the documentaries. Yeah. Once they took the guitar away from him, he didn't know what to do, no, right? No, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was very fortunate to have um, 
every musician, every rock musician, like Brian Johnson says it the best, he said, I learned how to play guitar by playing Louie Louie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know? Yeah. He says, so that, that was the reference to me. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was a good run because of Louie Louie. I, I do a thing which I stopped five years ago when Muhammad passed away called Celebrity Fight Night. We do that. We do it in we do it in Las Vegas. Yeah, and and then we moved it to Phoenix, Arizona, but everybody shows up for that. Right. And the jam sessions are just ridiculous. Yeah, right. <laughs> the who's who, right? Yeah, the who's who of who's who. Right. On stage, and and they all come because of Muhammad. Yeah. Right. Wow. And it raises a lot of money for Parkinson's, and it's also Michael J. Fox also co-hosts. And, <sighs> you know, Michael has Parkinson's. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it was a really good run. You know, we, we, we did money before the Beatles. You know, the best thing in life you find. Yeah. I sang that, you know, so, but it was <laughs> six months before the Beatles. Yeah, right. <laughs> but had, had a good run with, you know, Tom Jones and Engelbert Humperdinck. Yes. Gilbert O'Sullivan. And Tell us a little bit about Engelbert Humperdinck. You recorded an album with him? Yeah. Did Christmas time? After the Love and Christmas time again. Yeah. Tell us about that experience. Yeah. The, the experience, um, <laughs> he's not Tom Jones. <laughs> Let's just say it that way. He's 86 years old. Wow. Cool. Still walking. Still catch up with him? Not really. No. Not really. Okay. No. He he's a, he changed he changed managers and and personnel like he changed his underwear. <laughs> right. Overnight. Right. Everybody's gone and yeah. That was Eng. Kept to himself. Where, where Tom Tom is just a Tom's a good guy. What you see is what you get. And Tom's 81, and he has the chops that he's that he had yeah. 30 years ago. How is that? I don't it's know. just phenomenal. Yeah, the voice is just and he doesn't doesn't lower the keys. It, yeah, right. Keys. Still keys in the normal. Wow. I, I don't know how he hits them. It sounds like Delilah. Like yeah. He goes upstairs and hits him. Wow. And he still gets up there and grooves yeah, and know. still looks he's having a good time. Like yeah. Loves it. Loves it. Good on. Brian Johnson, what was your collaboration with him? Brian says, Johnson, Brian and I became friends with celebrity golf tournaments. Right. Brian loves to play golf. Yeah, right. Yeah, Brian and Brenda, his wife, um, would ask me, hey, when's the next celebrity tournament? Because why, why do they ask? Because it's all comped. Yeah. You know, they fly you their first class and, and you know, it's, it's a great gig and you get to play golf. And you get to play golf with some of the great pros who are your idols, the guys that you love. And so Brian and I started, I got him into a lot of the tournaments and right. played in a few of my charity tournaments. Yeah, right. And that's how we became friends. Was that also part of that? Because I hear that every time Alice Cooper comes to Alice, Australia... Alice was a part of that. He's, yeah. Performs, and then he's trying to find the, the golf course. Alice, Alice <laughs> books a lot of his gigs around really? golf courses. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah time of year making sure <laughs> I'm playing here in Australia. <laughs> That's where he plays, right? Yeah, Alice is great that way. But Brian would, uh, and Brian's not a good golfer. Really? <laughs> loves the game. <laughs> wow. He just loves the game. Might have to have a game with him so we can be bad together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I, I played a lot with Tiger. Oh, yeah, right. You know, we're friends. Wow. Great guy. Yeah, tell me about He's a, another almost the caliber of an Ali yeah right. when he walks in somewhere it's it's Tiger Woods yeah you know he's got this aura around around him and he he's 
become a lot more human since the injuries. Right. And since he doesn't have that same skill anymore, he, he's so approachable mm-hmm. and lovable, you know, and, and he's turned into be a superhuman being. Humble? Yeah. That's what I can imagine. Yeah, without a doubt, the greatest guy to ever pick up a golf club, better than <sighs> Bobby Jones or any of the previous ones. What this guy's done... Just, he's still going he's still doing it yeah and he could still do it playing really still good he'll do it you know he, he he had to pull out of the masters because he he couldn't handle the walking but he'll come back again and contrary to what other people say i'm betting against the other people <laughs> the experts and i'm betting that he will play on the senior tour yeah then when he's 50 you'll see tiger woods on the senior tour because he'll break every record again so it's injuries right that it's yeah. Yeah, right. They're not allowed to use the buggy, like the, the cart, to take them, or if they are injured? No, got it. But on the senior tour, he can't. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. There you go. Just hit it, hit, hit it 300, yard, 300 400 yards that way. Yeah. <laughs> Straight. You know, the first, time, the first time I met Tiger, ironically, it was with Renee. Right. Renee invited me to the, the Tiger Jam. Yeah. And I sang, and then I played, and... That's how I met Tiger. It's funny, we're all in the same room. Wow, I've got to get on these golf games. I tell you what, like, Renee's meeting all, uh, he got his first opportunity in a golf game, and, uh, you know, you're meeting Tiger Woods on the golf course. I've got to start playing some more golf. (laughs) What I want to ask maybe 20 minutes ago was uh, where you grew up? Montreal. 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 We we had moved, uh, my, my late dad was a butcher. And we had moved to a place called Chamity, which was the outskirts of Montreal. And why did we move there? Because it was cheap. Yeah. You, know, you, could, you, could get, you could get a three or four bedroom home. We were six kids. Three or four bedroom home for at that time, it was like seventeen dollars or $18,000, which was money then, but still not a lot of money. And when we moved in, um, the day we moved in, all our windows were broken because we had had a mezuzah on the door, which is where Jews live. Yes. And he broke all our windows. And um, going to school, my brother and I were walking to school and they, they caught us. There was the Sutherland brothers, never forget them. Brucey and David Sutherland, they grabbed us with their gang and they dug these holes in the snow and buried us up to our necks. And, and to this day, I have claustrophobia because of that. Still. I'll never forget that. I didn't know you knew that. <laughs> well, I, 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 I never really served, so I... <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing because I got to see... I got to see David Sutherland, not Brucey, but I got to see David around 10 years later. And I was with a friend of mine, Howie Jones, who was a, who was a karate expert. And I told him the story, and he kicked the crap. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yes! <laughs> there is a God! <laughs> Dad passed away at 36, and six months later, my five-year-old brother passed away, and I thought everyone was dying, and I ran away from home. I, I, I had family in Israel. I ran to Israel, and I was there, and I was on a kibbutz, and the first morning, they woke me up at five o'clock to go to work. I thought there was a war with the Arabs. <laughs> I, I don't get up at five o'clock. <laughs> ran away from the kibbutz. The only thing that I had brought to Israel with me was my Fender guitar and my Gibson amp. That's it. And I wrote it down. It was your Uncle Lewis. 
And my uncle Louis bought me, he bought, how did you know that? Oh, yeah, wow. I did, I did wow. my research. Wow. My uncle Louis bought me that from my bar mitzvah. Yes. And uh, so I had my guitar, and my guitar and my amp, I figured was enough to get myself, and my brother Steve was with me, get us back to, uh, to Canada. So I didn't want to write home and say, we want to come home this way here. I'll just sell my guitar, sell my amp, buy tickets and go home. And it was John Carey and his orchestra. And the club was the minus 206 club in Tiberius. Right. And the club is 206 feet below sea level. What's the acoustics like down there? Oh, great. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm walking with my guitar in my amp, and I think I was 15. And John Carey was there when I came in. The English John Carey, the band leader. And he says, uh, what are you here for? I said, I'd like to audition as a guitarist. He said, okay. And he says, uh, goody, goody, and G. I said, okay. And so you met someone who set you back on your heel. And I'm playing, and he finishes the song. He says, you know, you don't play that well. <laughs> I said, you know, you don't sing that well. <laughs> I said, let me sing the song. And that's how I started singing. Right. Gave me the gig right away. He said, you got the gig. Where did you get your chops from? Where did you get uh, this voice from? It's just there. Uh, no practice, no, no teaching, no just, wow. No, no. That's a talent. The only teaching I had was, was for my bar mitzvah. This <laughs> <time>. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, right. And then you formed the f your first band, The Footprints? The Footprints. We formed The Footprints. They, we, our, first, uh, our first record... Um, First big record was Never Say Die on Capitol. Then we had a ticket for a mobile. Then I had an audition. What happened was a lot of people think I was the original lead singer of the Kingsmen. I'm not the original. No. And in 65, there was an audition in California because Jack Eli had either died or I don't know what happened. And there was an audition for lead singer for Kingsmen. I, went. I was with, still with the Footprints. I went to the audition, got the gig. And became a Kingsman. Wow. That was it for the footprints. Yeah. Just automatic success. And then Louie Louie, when did that come out? Was that the album that you... Louie Louie came out the end of 63, beginning of 64. Right. Before me. The singer was Jack Eli. Jack Eli was never with the band. He went to Vietnam. And that was... The time. That was right. The time. We were at war. And was never with the band. Never toured with the band. And I auditioned, and I became lead singer of the band. Got it. Yeah. Because that song is, like, so raw. I love oh, it. It's raw. What's really amazing, <laughs> I always say, you can talk about Nobel Peace Prizes and everything, but when I die, they're going to say, the guy that sang Louie Louie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, some funny things happen that I'm sure you can relate to. Like, I'll see someone like Tony Martin. Yeah. The, the manager of the New York Yankees. Yeah. And I go, Louie Lou. <laughs> it's, it's a nice feeling. Yeah. It's a really nice feeling. Wow. Yankees. Yankee. Are you a Yankees fan? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Braves fan. Atlanta oh, Braves. Not a good team. So I'm going there, uh, like I said, in August. And I'm also going to Montreal. I'm, Montreal? I'm, follow, I'm following Metallica for one month. Yeah. How long are you going to be in Montreal? I'm going there for a week. Okay, let me know when you're going to be there. We'll keep in touch. And I'll yeah. have my brother Alan take you out to show you around. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, my brother Alan's also a great musician. And then I'm flying to Summer, Summerside in the Prince Edward Island. Oh, I don't know that. Either. 
Anyway, Jerry Seinfeld was doing a show there. Okay. So I bought a ticket to go there. I've never seen it. He's one of my favorite comedians. And it's like... Jerry is great. I know Jerry. Yeah. Also a huge fan of Ali's. Right. I'm a Muhammad fan. Yeah, Montreal's a great city. I, I go back every once in a while. Yeah. So whereabouts are you based now at the moment? You said uh, Bulgaria and... I, I live in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. At a great, great golf and country club called St. Andrews. Right. And so we have two great courses and... So we spend six months less a day yeah. in the U.S. and the rest of the time we're in Bulgaria, travel around Europe. Still come back to Canada? I haven't. I, I don't visit too often. I still, I still have two brothers and a sister there. Look, everyone, everyone died. Yeah. Including my daughter. My daughter passed away. Oh. Uh, that was very, very tough. And that's why another reason I stopped going. It was, it was just too hard. Yes. You know, you get over it and. I'll probably I'll probably go maybe this summer. Maybe I'll take Meg to show her Montreal. Yes. Talk about Meg, love, lovely Meg. I just Meg, uh, Meg is the love of my life. Yeah. I was fortunate to meet her in Bulgaria, and she was she was my banker. Right there you go. She's a she was pri- a private banker, and uh, that's how we met, and uh, we just spent. We just spent uh, four months in... Was it love at first sight or...? It was love at first sight. Yeah. For me, anyway. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we spent four months in in, uh, in Florida. And the rest of our time, we just built a great new condo in in uh, Bulgaria and Sofia. Uh-huh. And we traveled. I've never been there before. Is... Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah? Yeah, beautiful. I'll definitely have to get there. And that's the thing, like, all these big celebrities that you met... You talk about all of them, how nice they are, yeah. and in the media, like they just have the, all these different opinions. Or yeah, that's, that's... they really don't know them, you know. It's a hey, I, I met plenty of assholes too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. As well. We don't talk about them, you know. And most of them are not rockers; they're actors, and a couple of actors that you really want. <laughs> we won't even mention their names, <laughs> but they don't deserve it. No, the rockers are all they're all cool. Yeah, you know, guys like Alice Cooper. Alice is a prince. You know, sure. guy. Brian Johnson, come on, Brian. Brian's a walking cartoon. Yeah. You know, he's he's, he's the funniest man I've ever met. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he's that, that accent as well. Like, oh, yeah. The accent and the hat. Yeah, the hat. <laughs> it's just, he's just a funny Just man. a cool guy, yeah. I could just imagine, yeah. All right, Yank, thank you very much. Hey, it's my pleasure. Yeah. My, and hope to see you again. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much. Great. Hi. I'm Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. I can tune into your loved ones in the spirit world, but I can also tune into you, tell you about your path and the choices that you need to make and need to know. I'm currently giving 30% discount on all Tell Craig Your Story listeners. Just use the code Tell Craig Your Story for 30% off your first psychic reading with me online at Nigel the Shanghai Psychic.